conflict, hypocrisy, favoritism, bad leadership, pushing away people God loves. When these words are used to describe the church, it makes us wonder what went wrong. Did you know all these problems existed in the early church as well? The difference is, when they addressed their issues in a healthy way, the church was able to thrive and change the world. In this series, God will equip us to do the same. Centuries of strife. You know, as we start this series today, a lot of times as a pastor, things that happen in the real world uh, really overlap with the different biblical texts that God have us to, has us to, for us to study. And so uh, this week was one of those occasions where I'm preparing to speak, start a series on conflict within the body life of the church. And at the same time, we experienced a season of conflict here at the church revolving around one of our ministry areas that um, we've been making some hard decisions with in the last couple of weeks. And so if you've been uh, part of our church for a while, or maybe you've volunteered with our Cross Streets ministry who's been doing the food pantry and does homeless outreach and um, comes alongside under-resourced uh, people in our region, you've probably gotten the letter from our Cross Streets ministry that uh, as of last week, we're moving two separate ways as organizations, and Cross Streets is becoming an independent nonprofit, and Three Crosses obviously will continue to be uh, the church that, that we all know and are part of um, right now. And so I, I thought even as we start this, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a context into the background behind this decision and where we're at, you're all welcome to, you can email me and I can connect you with somebody who could answer specific questions, but I just felt like, man, this is one of those things that's really overlapping with what we're gonna be talking about. So we might as well start by talking about some strife that exists even within the body life of, of our church here. So the last couple of years, I've been uh, starting to process a little bit with our head of Cross Streets Ministry, a guy named Tom, um, and our board and the Cross Streets board and our staff leadership that is involved with Cross Streets, really working on a process of how we might get better at developing a working relationship between their ministry and the overall ministry of our church. Our Cross Streets is kind of a dual thing because they are a nonprofit. They've got a lot of external relationships with different organizations and entities. And at the same time, Cross Streets was designed and functions as a ministry ministry of three crosses. And so we want cross streets to feel as close to the fabric of our ministry as possible. And so Tom and I met a year and a half, two years ago, just to talk about some of the issues that exist and how we might walk through them and get healthier and better. And so we tried a lot of th different things over the last year, year and a half, and uh, conversations with those different entities like the board and all that, and got to a place probably three months ago where we kind of moved into the last stage of this process to try to build some alignment between our ministry and Cross Streets ministry, uh, and kind of started walking through a season trying to kind of do a last-ditch effort of how do we make this thing work? work really well, this relationship. And at the end of the day, it just didn't work. Now, we had to make a, a hard call a couple weeks ago with our board and Cross Streets board and uh, with our staff to say, you know what, I, I think it's time for us to, to go a different direction because all these efforts that we're trying are not working. And so a few of our staff sat down with a few of the Cross Streets leaders and, and, and gave two options. You know, our priority was that the ministry of Cross Streets would continue regardless. And so option one uh, was that Cross Streets, this is what ended up happening, would continue to exist as a nonprofit outside our church. So we've got a lot of ministry partners externally, uh, 
different pregnancy clinics or Salvation Army, all these great nonprofits that are doing great work in the community. We said, well, let's help you get to that place where we can support you as an external partner. That was option one. And option two was, if we're going to make this thing work as a ministry of our church, we're going to ask that the director of Cross Streets resign from his post so that we can move on in forward in ministry without his presence in that role. And so that was a hard meeting, obviously. And uh, a few days later, the Cross Streets leaders got to get together and meet and they came back. You may have seen the letter that came out after that. Uh, they came back and said, you know what, we're, we're going to resign from our roles of leadership within Cross Streets and we're going to kind of close up shop um, as soon as possible. And so that's uh, the food pantry, those different types of things that they've been doing during COVID. Let's just discontinue those um, as of now. And so we kept connecting behind the scenes with them and said, well, what do you want the future to look like, and eventually a couple days ago, um, we came to the place with them that they said, you know, we are going to continue as a nonprofit, and so we started the process of figuring out what it looks like for us to support and fund um, them however we might do that, and give them the resources they need to get on a good foot as they move forward. So we're starting a series today called Centuries of Strife, and you may have noticed a decision like this causes a lot of strife, right? There are people with hurt feelings. There are people who feel like this decision was unfair or made too quickly. There are people who feel like they weren't listened to. There are people who feel like uh, the whole life is kind of spinning around and this rug is pulled out from under them, and there's all this conflict that we're wrestling with while we continue to try to figure out how to walk in unity as we become two ministries, no longer one. And so a few things, even as we kind of wrap up this conversation about, about that ministry that I've noticed in the midst of all of this, especially as it relates to the series, is number one, this kind of thing is actually normal in the body life of a church. We're actually doing a, an entire sermon, the last sermon of this Sunday, talking about two church leaders who had two different visions of where they should go, and it was such a strong, kind of passionate conversation, they ended up parting ways, and they ended up staying friends and partners, but they went two literal different directions in ministry. This kind of thing happens, and the fact that this happened in our church and with this ministry, I just want to come out and say is... I do not want to discredit in any way the amazing ministry that Cross Streets has been able to do over these last 20 years. We've seen Cross Streets do so much amazing work with the unsheltered population, with kids who are going back to school and need supplies, with, with women who are in shelters and need Bible studies, with men who are in recovery and need assistance and help, with the thousands and thousands, probably I think a million meals went out through our food pantry even this year during COVID. So many amazing things have happened in Cross Streets and their leadership team and their volunteer base is full of amazing people who have done and will continue to do amazing works for the kingdom of God. I got a chance to sit down with Heidi and Ken who are part of our our Cross Streets leadership team this week and uh, start a conversation a little bit with Arlene and Rachel who are part of that group. I'm hoping to connect with Steve and Kim and Norma and Tom in the future. We've got so many amazing leaders within Cross Streets who have devoted their lives to serving the world and they've done amazing work. And so none of this discredits any of that. If you volunteered with Cross Streets, thank you for the work that you've been doing. Stay connected with them as they continue to do great work in the future. Now, the third thing that I noticed as I walk through a season like this is that God is actually in seasons like this. Now, I, I got to admit, we had given them until the beginning of the year to kind of figure out what's next for them. So when they said, hey, we're looking to close up shop immediately, I was a little nervous because we've got hundreds of people who need food next weekend and we want to keep serving them or even this weekend. And it was amazing to see the way that God filled in the gap. I got a call last week from a woman who helps run a nonprofit here in the Bay who hadn't heard about any of this. And she said, hey, I just thought of you guys because you guys are a large church and we just got this grant and we need to give out like five or 6,000 meals to members in 
the community over the next four weeks. Could you use 1,100 boxes for 1,100 families next Saturday? We're like, we absolutely could use that. We just donated all these meals to these other nonprofits. And so it was just a reminder that, that as we walk forward and make hard decisions, that God is with us and with both sides of this conversation. You know, I'm, I truly believe in the midst of all this that on the other side of this conversation, we're gonna end up with two different organizations that are both doing two amazing types of work and the same type of work within the kingdom of God here in the East Bay. Cross Streets is gonna thrive on the other side of this. They're gonna do amazing work on the other side of this. Three Crosses is gonna thrive on the other side of this. We will continue to serve our community in the midst of all this. And so God is going to use even this conversation these last couple weeks to expand the way that we're able to serve more and more people around us. So hard decision, a lot of uh, hard conversations, hurt feelings, and yet this is, this is part of church life, is figuring out how do we move forward in things that have to move forward in a healthy way. And so that's kind of where we're going with this series. And so I thought I should probably give you guys a little bit of a look behind the curtain because we're about to talk about conflict in the church. As we start our sermon time today, I want to ask a question for you to think about. You can shout out loud if you want to, but you don't have to. To think about this, what do you believe to be the biggest threat to the church of Jesus in our time? You know, I talk to people all the time who've got different opinions on, on what they believe threatens the church of Jesus. And, and a lot of what I hear from Christians are just a number of external factors. And people say, you know, COVID-19 is going to kill the church of Jesus, right? Some people believe that. Or the government kind of issues and mandates and things the government's doing is going to kill the church in this season, right? Maybe the worldview, the cultural worldview of our time is the biggest threat to our church and to our children, some people say. Some people feel like the philosophy that exists in the world or lifestyles that exist in the world or decision-making that exists in the world or the character of leaders in our world is threatening the very fabric of our ability to do ministry. There's a lot of different opinions from a lot of different people about what the biggest threat is to a church like ours. Yet it's interesting when I talk to folks who are outside the church, they have a whole different list of things that they feel like is destroying churches like ours. And people I talk to outside the church use words like hypocrisy to describe what's destroying the church. They say words like scandal. They say words like abuse of power, narrow-mindedness, a lack of love, people in the church who are not acting or looking like Jesus in any way. They say, forget about worldview and government and COVID. Like, this is what's destroying you guys from the inside out. Why don't you guys learn how to act like Jesus and no one will be complaining about your presence in society anymore. There's a lot of opinions on what the biggest threat is to the church in our time. And I think both sides would agree that, that the church in our time is under attack constantly. And I don't, you're gonna think, you know what I'm saying because of how you believe what is threatening the church, but whether you believe it's internal battles, external battles, government battles, health department battles, whatever it is, you would probably agree that the church is constantly under attack. Right? This has been true since the beginning. We're gonna jump into a series that talks about that today. Since the beginning of church, the church has been under attack from external and internal forces. Right? Satan is coming in, demons are coming in, worldviews are coming in, false teachers are coming in. All of these things are coming after the church of Jesus and since the inception of this entity. It feels like there's someone who's out to destroy us. As you launch into this series today, the question is, well, what can we do to equip us, equip ourselves 
for this reality? What can we do to become a people who are prepared to receive the conflict that's trying to destroy the community of faith that we call three crosses and that other people will call whatever church that they go to? And to do that, I want to jump into a a passage of scripture. We'll be in the book of Acts through this whole series. I want to start with one phrase of Jesus in Matthew 16. We'll put it on the screen. You've probably heard it before. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Right, this verse is meant to be a very positive thing. Like, I'm gonna do my thing, nothing can stop me. But I think a lot of times we read this verse and we don't realize that the backside of this verse is that the gates of hell itself are trying to destroy, to overcome the mighty work that God is doing in his church, the church of Jesus Christ. Right, you don't have to look any farther than the, than the book of Acts to see that the moment the church started, forces tried to destroy it. We, see, we think of Acts 2.47, this amazing community that devoted themselves to godly things. They had everything in common. They had a beautiful relationship with God and each other. And yet in the midst of Acts chapter 2, the moment the people started walking out the doors of the church, all hell broke loose, almost literally, right? They go start preaching the gospel and persecution comes. They stand before religious authorities and their names get slandered. By chapter 6, the first martyr of the Christian church, Stephen, is stoned to death all because the church started to advance on its mission. It feels like the moment the church starts moving, a target appears on the backs of all these Christians and church workers and leaders. It seems like the enemy just started trying to destroy it from that moment on. One of the saddest things that that I encounter in in ministry leadership is, is sometimes I talk to people who come onto a staff of a church like ours or they come into like volunteer leadership at a high level in church, they're running a ministry or whatever it is. And and after like a few months or a few years of stepping into church ministry, they, they start to break down because they realize that their role in the church is negatively impacting their life in a horrendous way. And I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago who just said, I, I had no idea when I came on to staff at, at the church that my life would start falling apart. She said things like my car got total, legal issues, children going astray, medical things happening, uh, family strife. Like, it just seems like the moment I said yes to serve as a leader in God's church, it felt like every aspect of my life was imploding all around me. And so she's crying and saying, I, I don't know what to do. God called me to be here, but I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. I talk to people like that all the time who didn't realize it. They get involved in leading in God's ministry. They say it just feels like Satan like painted this target on me the moment I started and I'm tired. I know a lot of us are tired. (laughs) It's been a really exhausting season and yet to add to the normal medical issues, global pandemic, school shutdown, society shutdown, all that, when it feels like Satan is trying to kill you, It's almost unbearable. This is why we cling to this verse from Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it, right? Because what Jesus is really trying to convince his disciples of in that moment is that nothing will destroy the work that God is doing, right? Jesus is saying exclusively here, the devil cannot destroy the church, Right? We have to believe that in terms of all these external forces, evil people cannot destroy the church. The government cannot destroy the church. Even persecution cannot destroy the church. 
Right, if you logged in with us last week, you got to see Pastor Mark talking about our global program and people around the world who are trying to follow Christ in persecuted countries. And if you study the history of the church, you see that persecution of Christians has never once stopped the spread of the gospel in our world. Right, even early on, I think it was second century of the church, there was an author named Tertullian who wrote a letter called Apologetica in an effort to try to go to the government agencies and say, hey guys, you have to stop murdering us. Please stop killing the Christians. We don't like this, right? But at the same time, he's making this argument that the reason that you need to stop trying to kill us is that it doesn't work, right? The quote that Tertullian says is that when you reap us, we multiply, right? When you come with your whatever, what do you call one of those things that you reap wheat with? Reggie, you gotta know, what is it? Sickle, who said sickle? Raise your hand. Oh, I love having people in the room. Uh, when you reap us like a sickle to wheat, we multiply. The seeds scatter everywhere. The blood of Christians, Tertullian says, is seed. You know, the quote that you may have heard uh, from church history is that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that's from this letter. Uh, there's no way. External forces cannot stop the church of Jesus. They say, you, you try to kill us, we're just gonna multiply. And yet at the same time, there's a lot of things that happen in churches that hurt us. These external things, they hurt us. They, they pain us. And I look back in my life and I see different seasons when spiritual warfare entered in or Satan tried to steal something or destroy something in the church, in the body life of the church. And it's painful to look back and remember how hard that season was. And I can always look back with joy because God always gets us through it. But it hurts when evil tries to destroy the church. Yet at the same time, when I, I look back personally at the 20 years that I've spent working at, at this church, I think the things that have hurt the most deeply, me personally, the things that have left like the biggest scars emotionally on me in the midst of church leadership are not the times that things outside the church tried to kill us, but when things inside the church tried to kill us. I think of relationships that, that broke apart in my life because there was a misunderstanding or there was drama or we tried to call out sin in someone's life. I think of people in our community who went down a bad path, left their family, made terrible choices, and we try to go after them and reconcile them. They didn't want anything to do with it and they destroy a family, they destroy their own faith, they destroy a whole community by their decisions. Someone in the church acting terribly and started destroying or trying to destroy the church from the inside out, chances are when you think about the most deeply wounding experiences of your life, it's, it comes from people who are the closest to you, things that happened in your family, friends who have betrayed you, issues that have come up from within a trusting community. And so as we start this series, I think if we were to name the number one threat to the church today, it wouldn't be anything out there. I think the biggest threat to our ministry is us, it's Christians. Christians who get into sin, Christians who devour and try to eat each other and kill each other, Christians who, who go rogue, all these things, we, we become our own worst enemy. You know, if you wanna take notes today, you, you can write this down. The most dangerous enemy of the church is not outside the church, it's us in here. Well, we are the ones who can raise up and try to destroy each other. Now, this is not just my opinion. Right? As we look through the whole New Testament canon and church history, we see that becomes the major issue. Most of the New Testament letters are written to try to stop internal fighting within the church. 
right? First Corinthians 5, Paul says to this church, you guys need to stop all this sin that's ravaging your community. He says, I know there's someone in your group that's even sleeping with his mother-in-law. This is crazy. Get that person out of there. But the book of Galatians starts with Paul saying, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the gospel and moving to another message, which is not even a gospel at all. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Right, in Titus, Paul says, you've heard what it said. Cretans are lazy brutes, evil gluttons, and the like. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply because there's issues in your community. If you read 1 Timothy, you see that the whole church is up in arms and everyone's fighting and devouring each other. And he says, I want the men to shut their mouths and stop complaining, stop arguing, and pray instead. I want the women in your community to stop trying to grab leadership from each other and instead calm down and show their transformation by their good works. Paul says in Colossians, you guys have gone crazy worshiping angels and getting all weird and legalistic. You gotta calm down and remember that Jesus is the center of your church. Revelation has seven letters to seven churches talking about the internal issues that are devouring them. (laughs) We are the enemy of us. And so as we look at the book of Acts this week, we're gonna work on, or this series, we're gonna work on how to address some of these issues that are most common to churches like ours. You know, all, all I wanna do today is normalize conflict for you guys because some of us, I know, maybe you grew up in a family where conflict was not allowed. No one fought, no one argued, you just let people drift and do their own thing and you're just gonna judge them quietly, whatever. We need to normalize conflict. Internal strife is a normal part of church life. That's where we're gonna land today. Internal strife is a normal part of church life. It's part of a healthy ministry of the gospel. It happens all the time. But we're gonna walk through this series and we're gonna hit a ton of different internal issues in the book of Acts. Acts chapter five, a couple people who call themselves Christians come into the assembly and they lie about their giving records and God kills them on the spot. Acts chapter six, the church is doing its ministry and they realize that they have racial inequity even within their ministry and they have to address it as people start to complain. Acts chapter nine, God saves a man who murders Christian and calls him to be a leader of the Christians and the Christian church is like, no way, man, you're gonna kill us, right? We're gonna talk about unconventional leaders within the church and when to embrace them and when to shun them from Acts chapter nine. Or Acts chapter 10 talks about a church community who's called to reach out to their community, but the people they're called to reach do not fit their worldview. So we're gonna talk about how to be inclusive as a community without diluting who we are as a people. Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council. We're gonna talk about issues in the church, wrestling matches in the church, fighting amongst the leaders of the church. All of it happens in the first few months and years of the church's existence. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is here today for two reasons. Number one, because Jesus said, I will build my church. And number two, because godly leaders in the history of Christianity have wrestled through their issues and gotten to the other side through the conflict and found health on the other side. You know, if you've got conflict in your life and you're a conflict avoider, right? I'm not saying you need to be a conflict finder, right? Conflict will find you. But at the same time, all of us need to learn how to be a people who wrestle through conflict and find health on the other side, right? Two things that I wanna give you before we leave today. Number one, we can get through these things together, together as a people. You're not gonna be able to solve your conflict without talking to anybody else, but we can get through issues together. 
That's one of the things that I feel like was most restorative even in this last week working with our cross streets ministry is people on both sides of the conversation extended some willingness to say, let's work together as we figure out how to expand these ministries separately. Now I got a call from Tom, who's the leader of cross streets uh, last week, or an email from Tom who said, uh, you know what, I'm getting newspapers calling me, asking for quotes about what happened. You're getting newspapers calling you, asking for quotes about what happened. Let's not feed them information separately. Let's join together and create a joint statement so the world can see that we're unified, even in the midst of this conflict, we're together. My people in the Cross Streets leadership reach out to me and say, Danny, I don't know what's going on. Can we talk about it together? And I said, absolutely, right? Let's let the dust settle on the anger and the fighting and all the stuff that's happening all over the world and let's connect face to face and let's talk about these things together. You know, we're trying to reach out to folks who are in conflict. They're trying to reach out to folks who are in conflict. And as we bind together, something totally changes when you sit face to face with a God-fearing Christian person and you say, hey, can we talk about what happened? Other times it doesn't work, right? Some people in your life are toxic and you can't ever talk to them and you say, okay, I'm gonna pray for you from over here, right? But other times we find ways that we can get into conversation together. Let's work through this together. And second, let's be a church who deals with our issues properly, right? Like I said, you might have a family who never talks about anything. That's not healthy, right? You might have a family who fights all the time. That's probably not healthy either, right? But some of you have a family background where you dealt with stuff properly, You loved each other, you served each other, conflict arose, you talked about it, you fixed it, you moved to the other side, and you have healthy relationships with your family because you've dealt with the issues along the way. That's what God has called us to do as the church. The number one analogy for what the church is, it's it's a family. We're brothers and sisters, right? We have spiritual fathers and mothers, right? We, Jesus says, who are my mothers and brothers and sisters? God's people, those who do the will of God and listen to God and do his will. Those are my family. This is our family. So as we walk through this series and talk about different specific issues that churches face and that our church will and has faced, let's be people who walk through this stuff together and let's be people who deal with our issues properly and let's pray that as we do that, God would make us a healthier and healthier family of God in the church we call Three Crosses. I wanna pray for us and then we're gonna stand and sing again. So if you're thinking, now what do I do? You're gonna stand and sing. If you're online, You can stand up if you want. Um, That's up to you. I can't even see you. But we're going to stand and sing in the middle. Let me pray for us, and uh, then we'll sing together.